I, I do have a perfect intro for you, Scott, for the, the read-off. No, I don't, I don't write these. I don't think about them. You can tell. It's part of my complete charm. We have sad news to declare. The war on Christmas is over. Thanksgiving has surrendered. Hello and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that wants all you true believers to face front and make yours marvel and excelsior. I'm Scott. Excelsior! (laughs) I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. I'm Dan. And we're nowhere near as good at creating universes as Stanley was. Well, I mean, he had help. He had help. He had help. Not saying he did it by himself, but Stanley, man. The thing is, is he... About Stanley is there were a lot of create comic creators at that time, but he was he was one of the few that were bringing real world stuff into their stories. Like Superman never had to deal with being a high school kid balancing his love life, his school life, and the fact that he was your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. No, but he did get turned into a werewolf twice. Golden Age, man. <laughs> There's a reason DC kind of blew up that whole continuation. If we look back at it now, what the hell are we thinking? Explosion! Okay, we did undid all that. They were thinking, we have to do this on a weekly basis. Where the fuck are we going to come up with these stories? We've got to come up with four stories for one book every week. Jimmy Olsen, I don't know, gets a turtle. <laughs> Superman is now gay. I'm pretty you know, sure that's what one of the Chris Kryptonites did. Pretty sure. Yeah, I'm, I think it was Pink Kryptonite made him gay. Something. We're not making this up. We are not no. making this you up. You think I'm being like homophobic or racist or something? No, this is actual thing that happened. There is a giant chart of different types of Kryptonite out there, just like there is a giant cart for, uh, chart for Batman of the different types of Batarangs. There is literally one that has a Polaroid camera sticking out of it that will snap a snapshot right the right moment and we'll return to Batman so he can pull it out and flap it in the wind wait three minutes for it to uh, <laughs> uh, finalize. Can't more battering. Yeah. No, but Stan is dead and he will be missed. I think we've got three more cameos from him. Four. Four cameos from him already recorded. I think the last one might be in Infinity War Part Two. Yeah, no, that's probably the last one. No one on that. There's, there's no tape on him for the new Spider-Man, but it, it, it's he's in Wreck-It Ralph apparently. He's in what? Yeah, he's he's going to be in Wreck-It Ralph too. It's Stanley. He can go wherever the fuck he wants. He walks down to a poor yeah. set. Hey, true believers, it's Stanley. Well, he showed him. He showed him Teen Titans Go. And yeah, he's like. Um, this is a DC movie, and he goes, I don't care, I'm Stanley. <laughs> I'm a dance. Uh, so, uh, pick of the week, what you got, Dan? This new restaurant opened up in the spot at the local mall where I used to work as, at the Irish pub, and it's called the Black Rock Grill. Now, I don't know if you guys have, know the premise of this place, but essentially, what they do is they bring you out, your st- it's, a, it's primarily a steak place, you can get other stuff, but it's mainly a steak place. 
Well, what they do is they bring you out your steak, except it's sizz- seared on both ends, and it is sizzling on a 750-degree volcanic rock that has been warming for, like, eight days. It is this. It is really, really good. And they have little timers where you, you can cut off your portion of your steak while it's sitting on the rock. You cook one side, you cook the other, you know, oh, you want it well done, wait 30 seconds. You want it uh, rare, give it about, you know, 10. And it is so freaking good. Like, I took my friend there to uh, because my I, I was originally going to go for a date, and the date flaked on me, and so I didn't want to give out the reservation, so I invited my one friend, and she's like, sure, I'll go. And she was just like, little kids shaking every time she put a piece of steak in her mouth. I was like, this is so good! This is so good! It's as a guy on a chicken pot pie in the microwave for dinner. I hate you. <laughs> oh, it is expensive as hell, but it's really nice. I don't care. I had a chicken pot pie from the microwave. I hate you. I had what I had leftovers of a, a an easy bake pizza. <laughs> you know, throw it in the oven. Throw it in the oven for ten minutes. Pull it out. You got pizza. Throw it to somebody. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna throw it since you were having about the pot pie, Jeff. Okay, fine. Uh, I would pick a video game, and it'll be different, and not pick Red Dead Redemption, even though that was a very good, it was a very good game. Kind of went under the radar, I think, a little. Billy came out Tetris Effect. It's made by the same guy who do, did Res and Luminous and a couple other musical puzzle games. I still think Tetris is the greatest video game ever made. It's the only one anyone can pick up and play, and everyone on the planet does. And Tetris Effect is a hell of a lot of fun. I don't have the VR set up, but I got a big screen TV. I got the headphones. The sounds you get, the, the soundtrack is amazing. The gameplay is good old fashioned Tetris. There's a, a few new twists and turns. Well, then for 40 bucks, it's really, really good. The only downside I can think of is if you pre ordered it, you got some of the soundtrack. If you didn't pre order it, you don't get the soundtrack. And they don't have and the there's soundtrack. And no way to buy it. Or is that available for sale right now anywhere? So the only way you can listen to it is if you play the game. It has an amazing soundtrack. You know, when you first started talking about this, when you first, when I heard Tetris Effect, I immediately thought of like Dr. Mario Mass Effect. Like, you you got different characters from Mass Effect in the shape of the pieces. Like the the four, the four block square piece is like an angry Krogan. It's just Rex. No, no. No, Drop him in. Drop him into the line, Shepard. Think red or Tetris, you get Tetris effect. Yeah, uh, I was, I've been bouncing around a bunch of different uh, gaming conventions. And yeah, no, I kept seeing the VR setup for it. And I'm like, I don't know why I would want to play Tetris in VR, but this does look like a cool version of Tetris. Uh, if you, even if you play it on a big screen, it'll, because what will happen is it'll, the game will be, okay, you got to clear 30 lines. You clear 10, the music changes. Clear another ten, the music changes and everything speeds up. So the music is you know beating really really fast. The music is really really going. The effects on the outside are blurring past your head, and the pieces are falling very friggin' fast. And you got to get things sorted out really friggin' quick. And with the music going in your ears, you're like, holy crap, slow down, slow down, slow down. And it's very good. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm gonna do a bit of a throwback. It's a um... I, I I stumbled upon a TV a TV series that I quite like. Uh, I think someone told me to watch it like ten years ago, but it is uh, Black Books. It's British, and it is Dylan Morin uh, owns a bookshop and hates everyone and just shouts at his customers all day. That, that that's the whole show, as far as I'm concerned. Sometimes like Manny has story things to do, but it is it is Dylan Morgan just yelling at people. 
there's a great bit where it's like, how, how much for that set there? Uh, the complete Dickens? Yes. Uh, like 80. Uh, is it real leather? It's real Dickens. <laughs> uh, I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care about the books. I just need it to match my, my couch. And it has to be real leather. Well, what, well, how about those 80 pounds? Are they real leather? They need to match my wallet. <laughs> no leather pounds, no sale. Get out. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> no, uh, so the suit Nazi if we were selling books. Y- yes, yes. Cool. I can get behind that. Yeah, except he's also s- always smoking and always drinking wine. Like, to a worrisome level. <laughs> okay, so it's... So it's Soup Nazi selling books if he were Bojack Horseman. Yes. Cool. Bojack was so good this year. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, I went to a funeral one day, and I went to dinner after. They gave me free cheesecake when I said I'd just come from a funeral. Oh, wow. Yeah, like the free churro thing, not a lie. <laughs> All right. But uh, never mind that. We are going to dig right into... Um, we're, we're, we're catching up with some Star Wars, because uh, there are two new Thrawn novels out. They came out. Uh, you can dig up our episode about the previous ten Thrawn novels. <laughs> as well as his uh, appearance on The Rebels Show. Uh, I'll link to both of those episodes in in the in the show notes in the doobity doop. But yeah, no, there, there's a lot of Thrawn material, but we're just going to narrow it down to just the two newest novels. And hey, because we haven't done it, let we'll talk solo afterwards. So we have Thrawn, the novel by Tim Zahn, who writes all the Thrawn stories, uh, in which we are given a brand new introduction and origin story for the character and. Uh, so he, he gets adopted by a junior officer in the Imperial Navy, um, and the Thrawn and Sherlock Holmes dynamic really comes into play this guy, because this guy is painfully Watson throughout the whole thing. Um, at the same time, we also get the backstory for, uh, Governor Price from the Rebels cartoon as she, uh, you know, maneuvers her way into running her whole planet because to to spite one guy really mostly just to spite this one guy she's gonna rule run a whole planet and then uh thrawn does some stuff and then uh the emperor says they're cool and that's kind of the story yeah no i love the i love the first book i love the addition of eli vato his painfully obvious watson vato even sounds like watson doesn't it yes but I like the way he starts out. He just kind of shows up like, you're now my aide. But, but I'm, I'm a file clerk. Not anymore. <laughs> I want to be a file clerk. Sucks to be you. And, you know, he just kind of gets thrown together with Thrawn. And his, he thinks his career is over. In reality, it turns out the best thing he could ever happen to his career. And, yep. next thing, and by the end of things, where his um, route takes him, he ends up being a, a uh, soldier for the Chiss Ascendancy. He, does, he doesn't know he was the second choice, but he is. Well, and I just this- love the dynamic. Of them playing back and forth, Thrawn being basically chess master, him slowly learning the game. Well, the thing I the thing I liked about Thrawn with Vanto with Eli was he wasn't just trying to use Eli as his his Watson. He was trying to mold him into the Chiss way of thinking, thinking really outside the box. Like you know, here's the, the Imperial way of thinking is. You stick in that box. Protocol says you stick in that box. Politics say you stick in that box. Thrawn? Thrawn, he's three states over and fishing out the lake. 
But like he, he, you even see it through the series. You see Eli's mindset change. Where at the beginning it's why do I have to put up with this stuff? Then it becomes why is he doing it this way? And then like in the last third, it's like I have to see what he is seeing here. You know, it's like you know this is what the Imperial Admirals would do. How would Thrawn do this? And then it's then eventually I think there's even a point where Thrawn tells Eli, "How would Eli do this?" Because he like leaves him in command when they're searching for that uh, that one criminal that keeps eluding him. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Yeah, the the Moriarty for the whole thing. Yeah, and Eli eventually proves himself a capable officer on his own. And I, the thing I like about Thrawn is it also demonstrates how alien his thinking is. Aside from him being a Sherlock, because all these missions he gets sent on to break down these crime rings, these pirate circles and stuff, he does it the Thrawn way. He pushes on the one place with the minimum amount of force to get the maximum result, regardless of how it affects things politically for the different admiralty admirals, regardless of how it affects the different populations of the planets they're on. Like, he blew the crap out of somebody's crop field to kill spice mine and they weren't too happy about it but hey job's done spice mine is gone well i remember what he said mappy that a tribal leader's like you just burned all our crops and he goes you don't have to survive but you burned our crops you wanted them gone they're gone but our crops you live they're gone you happy i have accomplished the goal you said get rid of them guess what they're gone you're gonna live congratulations and well even Oop, go ahead, Scott. Well, I I was actually getting a bit of a Galactic Heroes vibe from all of it, specifically because you had to keep the names of like twelve admirals straight. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just just that politicking element is something you don't see too often in in this. And I think because we have a really limited range of perspective characters and only on one side of the fight, um, you know, no no rebels show up in this at all. Uh, it, it's interesting to have that entire game play out in this setting because we've never seen it. Yeah, this is them trying to maintain the empire they created. Oh, another thing that speaks to Thrawn. Um, when he gets the crap beat out of him at school, he clearly knows the identity of the students. He reveals it to the dean. He knows he can't get them punished too badly without getting revenge back at him. But at the same time, it's like, these guys are excellent pilots. I've seen their test scores. Send them to the, the Sky Strike Academy or whatever. Yeah, just, just yeah, send them over them to away. fighters. And, 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 any other story, any other story would have had them, had him get some kind of plan that would have, you know, any other writer would have just had him find some way to, to ruin their science project or whatever to eventually cause them to get expelled from the school or something like that. Oh, yeah, no, he'd, well, he'd animal house them. He'd animal house them. Yeah. Well, yeah, remember, remember what you said, Dan. He said he'll apply the least amount of pressure with the most effectiveness. Okay, I, these guys are a problem. I need them gone. Let's send them to this academy. They're not here. They continue to be useful, and I don't got to deal with their shit no more. Problem solved. Everybody's happy. They're not pissed. We can move on with our lives. Okay. Although, a little bit later, Eli does get a little bit of revenge on him when he, he gets promoted double-ranked, and he's like... He tracks them down and goes, hey, guess who? You got a salute, asshole. Yeah, yeah, when that fighter wing gets assigned to their ship, it's like, hi, guys. Good morning. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, see the, see the extra pimp on oh. my collar? Yeah. Well, you'll never guess who the command of this ship. It's going to be a laugh. Oh, hey, it's Vanto. That's Lieutenant Vanto. I got 
four uh, what little are... blocky things <laughs> and a tube thing in my shirt now. At some point, yeah. I'd like someone oh, um, to explain uh, yeah. the Imperial uniform thing to me again, where it's like, okay, four blockies is more, but what if one of them's yellow? Four Jolly Ranchers. Great. Yeah, yeah, it's like... Uh, but I, I, just, I just kind of imagine Eli going up and goes, hello. They go, Lieutenant, um, what, whatever became of uh, Mr. Lieutenant Thrawn? You mean Grand Admiral Thrawn? Or he, he wasn't Grand Admiral. You mean Admiral Thrawn? No, he was a captain at that point. He, 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 he Thrawn in charge of this ship? And he's like, they're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be one of the flood of freaking patrols, aren't we? Yes, you are. Well, I think we need a 1 a.m. patrol. Guess who's going? You know, I spotted an interesting looking rock. Check on it. <laughs> Make a couple passes over that rock. Not By the way, way, it's on the it's on the ice moon of this gas giant with these crazy storms. And uh, yeah, hope you brought a sweater. Yeah, don't forget those MIRs. You're going to need them. It's a long trip. Oh, there's no. By the way, there's no bathroom in a Tie Fighter show. Well, there's there's short range fighters for a reason. <laughs> And then, and then we get uh, Thrawn Invader. They are buddy cops. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm going to uh, have a bone to pick with this particular book. Oh, yeah. It's one of those books that I hate when they do this. They have a really, really good story, but it's not long enough for a full book. Nope. So they go back and forth, back and forth with another story that isn't as good. Yeah, like the, this they is... another author to write it. Oh yeah, it's like, hey, here's here's a abandoned Clone Wars script. Can you can you pad this out? Right. Yeah, that that honestly, it felt like it really felt like that was like some kind of season six show or season seven show that they had unproduced. I mean, they, they showed off that stuff where they had uh, um, concept art of the Vong. Yeah. It, it, so it, it, it's like Dark Disciple. That was like six Clone Wars episodes stapled together for a novel, right? The only, yep. the only thing I liked about that comparing the trans between Vader and Anakin is that you really got the sense that Anakin is very, very focused on Padme. Everything is about Padme. Everything is, yeah, I need to rescue Padme. I need to keep her safe. Boom, boom. God help anyone who gets in anyone's his way if you're between him and Padme. Padme. Once Padme is gone, it just becomes God help anyone in his way of anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. He needs to use. The, he needs to go to down that hallway. If you're in that fucking hallway, guess what? You're in his way. <laughs> I think I had more fun with Padme's chunks of that Clone Wars episode, just because it's well, a reminder that she's competent. There were yeah, a lot like of Clone the, Wars episodes where Padme was competent. Yeah, that that's the one thing that really struck me is she's perfectly capable on her own without Anakin. Yeah. The only in that book, the only reason she was re- she was perfectly fine in the situation she was. She could have gotten out of it without Anakin, except because he worried about her because she's his wife. He showed up. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's Anakin's thing. He, he shows up and wins. Yeah, he shows yeah. up and then he wins. Well, well, I think there's a good. I think it was from the uh, Star Wars Episode Three novel, which Scott and I both love, that it said, Anakin isn't loyal to a cause. He's loyal to people. He's loyal to Obi-Wan. He's loyal to Palpatine. He's loyal to Padme. He doesn't really care what he's fighting for. It's like, they're my friends. They're my guys. They're my, that's my wife. I'll go to hell and back to protect them. <laughs> now that they're all gone and Palpatine turns out to be a lying son of a bitch, well, now he's just, you know, I'll go to hell and back and I'm taking you with me, motherfucker. 
Well, but, uh, the the thing I liked about it was because because of the flashbacks, you know, they showed stuff with like Padme like half flooding her escape pod so it will go under the water so they think she sank. Um, but then there was the stuff with Thrawn teasing Vader. Like, oh, that's the best part of the book. Oh yeah, what, what like, the he, whole he, tension he, is they both know each other's game and can't admit it, and and so it is just this bitchy little backbiting back and forth. Until eventually the problem reveals itself and they blow it up and agree never to speak to each other again. Yeah. This, this is almost, why it's a great buddy almost, cop scenario. Well, it was almost as I kind of looked at it as Sherlock and Moriarty have to work together for a little while. They both know the other one is smart. They both know the other one is not telling the other one all everything that they're doing. And they're both saying, okay, eventually we're going to get to the point. Until we get there, we'll lie to each other. And we ain't going <laughs> to like it. Well, the thing is, Thrawn is very patient, and he's he's slow to explain. Vader, Vader wants you to get to the fucking point. <laughs> like, all those times where he is sitting there on the bridge of the Chimera, and, the I mean, he, he you just read all the inner dialogue of him seething with rage because they are one, they're one minute longer than he feels they need to be. And I just can't help but picture in my head cross-armed Vader sitting about ten feet behind Thrawn, impatiently tapping his foot. <laughs> his robot foot. And everyone, everyone on the bridge finds it a little harder to breathe. Something wrong in here. Well, Is there the, anything the, wrong with the vents? Oh dear. <laughs> well, the the other thing about it was the the maneuvering because Thrawn was being secretive about the true goal. At the edge of this, uh, at the edge of Imperial space, because of the whole secret to the Chiss, it's like their big, it's like their biggest secret is that only like ten percent of half their population is force sensitive, and it's for a very short period of time. And by the way, these are the only people who can get us through unnavigated space, and he has to keep that a secret because it's a big Chiss secret. On top of the fact that they're force users. Because you're dealing with Darth motherfucking Vader. Because he, he, you even hear in Vader's dialogue, is he, he mentions it's like, is the Emperor tasking me to find my replacement? Right. Because he senses there is a disturbance in the Force with these kids. And well, I he, like that. Yeah, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, you, 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 again, I love that Zahn brings a great inner monologue to Vader. And even the other crew members of the Chimera, where, um, what is it, that Lieutenant Pharaoh, she's like his new second-in-command uh, since uh, Eli went to the Chiss, and uh, she's like thinking like the entire time, is like, I, if I make one step to the left too close to this guy, he's going to snap my neck. Which, and then, but then she's also... Big of exaggeration. Well, the other thing is like the inner dialogue of because of the fact that you have the first legion, the most elite of the five hundred first on board, to act as Vader's commandos, and all the politicking because Vader wants his ship to be number one in the dock, and it's like the dock master's not going to be happy about that, and I don't think she gives a shit if you are Darth Vader. You've never met this dock master. <laughs> well, I like the, I like the way that he's. Re- and he writes what uh, Thrawn is doing. Because you can tell Thrawn never drops a hint. He never outright says he knows 
Anakin Skywalker is Vader, but he drops enough lines about Anakin. He's like, okay, we all know what's going on here, buddy. So I've and heard. Every once in a while, yeah. And every once in a while, Vader will ask what Thrawn considers a stupid question or amusing question. And he'll, he'll say, a slight smile came across Thrawn's face as he was about to answer. And you can almost, you don't see Vader but you can feel it i think someone told i think someone told zahn that he can't use the word riley anymore can't use that adjective because because it because it disappears with the reboot right it's like oh yeah no 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 one smiles riley anymore what's up with that or was that something only uh characters in the old canon could do riley smile yes and Ron. Thrawn only smiles when he thinks someone's done something stupid. You notice that? When something when somebody's done something smart, he's like, Good job. When somebody does something stupid, he's like, Oh, you're cute. Well, of I, would, I would love him to say, Oh, well, this Lord Vader, you're so adorable. <laughs> of course he'd be dead like 30 seconds. But you know, it'd be still be funny. Well, like like you guys or like you pointed out, Jeff, with him kind of ta- like hinting at that he knows Vader's Anakin. And it is like his one thing that he always seems to nudge Vader on. You know, just poke him. It's like Anakin Skywalker. He like keeps reminding Thrawn, Anakin Skywalker is dead. So I've heard. Yes. Goes, I, every time he's talking to Vader, and Vader's like, "Do you trust me?" Because Anakin Skywalker trusted me. He goes, "I'm not Anakin. I know." Why do you keep bringing him up then? No reason. Well, no, no, no. He kept saying, "So I've heard." Because he he wants to tease Vader with the fact that, yeah, I know you're Anakin Skywalker under that armor. And then when they finally finish their mission, and he sees how differently Vader does, like, similarly, but differently, Vader does things than Anakin, he, he finally says at the end of the book, I know. And that just puts it, that just bookends it, right there. He's not going to talk to Vader about it. He un, they, understand at a, they have a dialogue, they understand each other at that point. I wouldn't go that far. They tolerate each other. Vader would very much like to kill Thrawn, but he kind of needs him around. And Palpatine would be pretty pissed off if he did. Vader, <laughs> like, I, I can just see Vader in a show go, please fuck up, please fuck up. I so hope you fuck up. <laughs> if you screw up the right way, I can choke you, and that'll be great. I'll write about it in my journal. <laughs> <laughs> My, my my journal, I write with my lightsaber on the walls. <laughs> because of course I do. All, all it is is the guys I choke. That's it. Just <laughs> a long list of people. Oh, yeah. I choked him, and I choked him, and I choked him, and I choked him, and I hit this guy with the lightsaber, and then I choked him. <laughs> Well, after all, we have to we, we have to get very good at pretending that Lord Vader can choke us because if he found out that that was a lie, he would then cut us down with his lightsaber. Lord Vader believes in choke death. He can, but if he found this out, he'd kill us with his lightsaber. Lord Vader died four times. Now, the only thing that I didn't really like is I felt I really felt Thrawn. Thrawn really deserved in in Rebels to have been written by Zahn. It, it just felt like they got his permission to use the character. I'm sure. I'm sure he consulted. He was on a conference call at least once. But yeah, because like I really would have liked like there to be more. But you know, a duology is good. I can deal with it. And given the time frame of the stories, the only other story they could probably do is Vanto's adventures in the unknown region. 
Well, I'm sure that that's Zahn's back door, right? If he wants, if if he 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 left that there to maybe pull a third out. But you know, this is what we got. We got two pretty decent books out of it. Uh, yeah, uh, one and a half. One and a half. Let's just be honest. There's a really good Thrawn novel, and there's a really good Thrawn light novel with something else thrown in the pad. <laughs> there's a really good Thrawn novel, and then there's a really good Thrawn... Uh, half a book. Half a, well, there, there, there's, there's a short story. There's a Thrawn short story. And then that's spaced out with the script from a Thrawn Clone Wars episode they never got to produce. Yeah. Well, they did a they did a five book limited series from Marvel about that basically did a short version of the first Thrawn novel. I was like, eh, it left out some stuff I would like to see them do. They got the major points. It was I enjoyed it, but when I read the second Thrawn novel, I was like, no, this is a excellent comic book that they should have made. This isn't a novel. Yeah. This is exactly what you could do with a comic book here. Uh, yeah, like five five issues. Five issues, maybe? I give it six. I think it'd be a decent six-issue run. Right, and you could have done that better as a comic book as opposed to a novel. Whereas the first one, the five-issue miniseries that Marvel put out, was good, but the novel was obviously better. Well, I mean, hey, Marvel's got spots open now, considering they fired Check One Dig. Mm. But, um, no, otherwise we've also got Solo, which was... <sighs> I think it was the, the, the Han Solo movie they had to make. Like, you, you couldn't not do, well, he gets the Falcon, and he gets Chewie, and he gets Lando, and he does the Kessel Run, and we have to hit all these points, and anything else barely matters, because if we don't explain don't every detail of it, people will be pissed. Here's my thing about Solo. It was an enjoyable movie, as a dumb kind of action movie, I feel it is the most unnecessary Star Wars movie ever. The whole reason they were doing these standalone stories was to tell the stories of other people in the universe that would tangentially interact with the big three. Like, Rogue One was a great start. It is this mission about these, these group of people who need to get the Death Star plans, and Vader's there, Tarkin's there, and Leia's there, but they're not big parts. And, you know, it's a nice cut ending with them all dying on Scarif, but there's other stories they could have done. But then to do, and it was a great launch for the A Star Wars Story brand, so to speak. But then to immediately do your second movie as one of your, one of the holy trinity of the cast, that kind of defeats the whole purpose of a Star Wars story. I didn't mind it much. I think people didn't like it because... When you look at Rogue One, is yes, that added more details. That made things make more sense in terms of New Hope. Okay, this links to there, this links to there. Really, does Solo link in any way substantial to if, any of the Star Wars stories? Outside of, oh, that's how he got the Millennium Falcon. Which is a, you know, it's a post-credit scene almost. Yeah, yeah it... it I'm trying to... It's a checklist more than a movie to me. Well, that's it. Like, you had to tell... You have, you have to show him meet Chewie. You have to show him getting out of the out of the Navy. You have to show him, you know, do the Kessel Run. And it doesn't matter what plot holds those points together as long as those points get hit. And, yeah, sure, Donald Glover is a great Lando and hopefully gets to do more of that somehow. I, I didn't mind that movie at all. I was like, is it the greatest... Star Wars movie ever? Do I think it's the worst? No! Remember the prequel, okay? Well, this is it. It's 
fine. It's perfectly fine. And it's weird to have a Star Wars that's just fine. Because we've had some lousy ones and some great ones. But it's like, there's no fine Star Wars. Is Solo bad? No. Is it great? No. Is it good? Yeah, probably. I mean, I I do want to revisit it. I'll watch it again at some point. Someone's one of those movies, if someone said, should I see it in theaters? No. Should I buy it on Blu-ray? Yeah, go ahead. Um... I mean, there's there, there's some definite fun bits in it. Like, I, I adore, like, again, every time Lando's telling a story, and it is the plot from those ter- those weird uh, Lando the tr- novels. The Lando tr- yes. The weird Lando novels. I, I almost said terrible, but they're not terrible. They're just weird. Well, like, also the shout-outs throughout the, the movie to those novels, even visually. Like, the giant crystal skull. That's sitting on the on, on Dryden Voss's museum table, and the, you look at the Han Solo trilogy, and there's that ugly ass skull right there too. So we also, yeah, we got that. We also had the totem from uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep, all sorts of neat stuff. That thing. They also, I think they someone said ETs in there. Oh yeah, well ETs have popped up more than once. Yeah, e, you know, I remember ET. There was one, three ETs in the Galactic Senate. So. Yeah. Canon. Yeah, they count. I, 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 uh, in, in regards to the characters, I mean, I the only one I kind of even felt for was L three because again, with the they made a character or, that was almost one of my Star Wars RPG characters. I played a medical droid that sassed back to its owner, kept demanding equal rights, and tried to launch a droid rebellion. <laughs> Well, everyone who plays a droid player character tries to launch a droid rebellion. That, that's that's just how it works. Can I say the dumbest and the most hilarious thing I saw in that movie was the gaunt droid jumping up and down on the keyboard? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, yes, destroy I everything. I don't care. I need a gift for that. We go, smack, smack, smash. But oh. how did you get up there? Uh, like hopping? Three feet I'm pretty sure L3 or one of the other droids lifted him just because. Somebody put that trash can on the keyboard. There you go. Good job. But, I mean, it, for me, I didn't hate it. I just felt like it was a checklist. It was really unnecessary. And it kind of betrayed the whole... Uh, sense that they were doing with the the standalone movies because well, even after that I mean, they were talking about making a han solo trilogy and i mean i enjoyed all as han i think he pulled off the role all right and you know this movie has a troubled history and all of that and it kind of sucks because they're not going to continue because i would have loved to see what this cast can do in stories besides the checklist. Well, that's it. Like, show me the movie where these guys are just having fun and not having to explain anything else. Yeah. Old man, dark ball. What's wrong with that? <laughs> oh God, talk about mm, talk about unnecessary. Oh, well, again, every appearance of Darth Maul is terrible. <laughs> Well, I don't mind that. I like Old Man Darth Maul. I just love the fact they had to reshoot it because they said the original shot was he got up, he put the hood down, he saw it was Darth Maul. And they said that some of the test audience didn't know who it was. They said, okay, have him call over his lightsaber and hold it for no friggin' reason. Yeah. It's like you're threatening someone with a lightsaber via friggin' hologram. It's not quite as effective. Uh, but, I mean, I really Solo... Like the... Oh, go ahead. 
I really liked, I forget his name. I think it was Dryden. Yeah. The big bad. Yeah, Paul Bettany's character. Oh, oh he, Paul Bettany was having some fun with this thing. Oh, well, he was just sleazy, sneaky, cutthroat son of a bitch. Well, the thing about that was Paul Bettany, he reminded me of one of the characters you would see in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like the opening yeah, to Inglorious Gla- Inglorious Bastards. And you're sitting there in that room in the opening where the farmer's getting interrogated by the, the Nazi officer. And you just feel uncomfortable throughout that entire scene. And Paul Bettany does that. He conveys a presence, especially when he's hanging all over Cora or Kira. Yeah. And you can tell he's doing it to piss Han off. Right. But he just wants he just and, keep, does such a good job of keeping everyone else, like you said, uncomfortable. You're in that room with him. He's not threatening you in any way. He's not ca- you know, going to cause you bodily harm in any shape, form, or fashion. But you still do not want to be in there. <laughs> well, you, you feel Han's emotions. You want to punch the guy. Right. Just, just concerning. He's <laughs> like, he's not going to hurt me. He's not going to hurt anyone here. But I still don't want to be here. <laughs> Like you were in the back of a white pickup, uh, a white van with a creepy guy driving, and nothing in the back of the van, absolutely nothing, and you still want to get out of that van. Yeah, yeah, it's got its great moments. It's got its kind of meh moments. I, I, I still love the idea of Han walking into a room with a rock and just making the clicky noise. Like, no, I'm holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> that, again, that again to go back to my again to go back to my. Uh, uh, Star Wars RPG stuff. That is something me and my friends would do. Hell, actually, that happened in a good Imperial game. We were. It was like our own alternate universe thing where the Emperor died and the Empire remained strong. So we had to blow up the Jedi Temple because all his dark side acolytes went there. So we are sneaking in as tech crew, planning all these charges. Well, there's a big confrontation with another group between two groups of dark siders. We get caught. I have my finger still on the detonator. It's a remote detonator. I roll a bluff check to tell all these Darksiders who have their lightsabers pointed at me, if I pull my finger from this button, we all die. And they all backed off, which gave me an opening to make a run for the elevator for my life. (laughs) And I dive into that elevator, my friend's holding it. We close the door, a bunch of lightsaber blades poke through the door as the elevator goes down. (laughs) Well, I was like, enough. He's saying, if I drop this, we all die. But what was taking you would go? You just made that what? clicking noise with your mouth. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> I do like that thing for nothing else because only Han Solo has the freaking balls to try that. Well, it's a call out to his inability to bluff out of a situation in a pinch. Yeah, but- he, he does a charm offensive when he has a plan. But if he has to bluff on the fly, he's terrible. Never tell me the odds. It's a rock, hon. Shut up. Hey. Yeah, if he's got to improvise, if he's got to improvise, he's fucked. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say to Solo. Yeah, no, that, that. Can I say I love the fact that Lando has a cape room? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of oh god, yes. I, 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 I love that. I got, <laughs> and it's all sorts of varying sizes and shapes. Did Did you guys get like the Donald Glover like pre roll ads for like the the 
like if when you went to movies did you have like donald glover doing tours of the falcon as a promo spot um i would see that stuff when it popped up on like the star wars youtube okay so like you you'd go to a movie here at, or at least around here i would i would see them all the time and he would be walking around the fountain it's like hey check out solo this may but let's let's show you around the falcon like i'll make you a drink here's my cape room uh you know everyday cape galactic president's day cape cape for when you're cold <laughs> I didn't see that one. I just like doing it. Like Han's looking for was it Zoe? Yeah, Zoe Kia, whatever their name is. Kira. Yeah, Khaleesi. Yeah, Khaleesi. He's looking for Khaleesi, and he finds her. There she is in a walk-in closet, and the entire closet is capes. No pants, no shoes, capes. <laughs> well, that's what the drawers are for. That's what the drawers in the main bedroom are for. No, the I closet. think he had a different room for just for. I think he had a different room for all his other clothes. With a full mirror, of course. I that that's the thing is like I would have really again back to what we said like I we would really love to see this cast do their own stories. I would have loved to see more of Lando doing a mission with you know him and Han do a job. Job goes south, but they still pull it off. Well, just just give me space and then it, loop on the third, right? Yeah, space oceans eleven or. Or, well, I mean, it was free loop on the third, especially with the the double triple cross at the end. It's like this is an amazing reproduction. How'd you make it? No, that's the real stuff. No, no, no. How how did you make it? It it is the real stuff. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, like that that last that last third arc that that I really liked. Where with the double cross, the triple cross, they could have they could have not really laid on you the whole thing about the coming rebellion like you you could have had it just be that han found out somebody's situation and tried to help them out well it's it's again he he he's a guy with a softer heart than he ever wants to admit so he finds an excuse to yeah they got away with uh, my box of stuff drat uh, Hans Zoller is another example of guys desperately. He's kind of like I think I said this about uh, Nathan Drake and the Game. He desperately, desperately wants to be the bad guy, but he's not. He's <laughs> not who he is. I really do want to be the guy who's you know kick an orphan, just you know walk away from a nun, not give to charity. Screw you guys. It's all about me. I don't care about the world. It's all about what I want. And then when the push comes to shove, now I'll, I'll help the orphan. I'll help the nun. I'll give to charity. God damn it. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Oh God! Perfect idea for the second movie, Space Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> have, have to take a fuel, full pack of cigarettes. It's dark out, and we're wearing sunglasses. We got two hundred fifty parsecs to go. It's dark out. We got to have to take a fuel. Fifteen Tie Fighters chasing us. Roll it. <laughs> oh god, just again, like trying to recreate the complete clusterfuck of the chase scene where it's like the Empire and also like a pirate and the local police and some lunatic in a van. <laughs> There's gonna be a massive st- like just tangled up ties this shape of a star destroyer. Oh our reinforcements are he it's just all the different like police craft, tie fighters. <laughs> Pursuit ships all just tangled in this giant mass floating through space. There's a little image of Chewbacca wearing a fedora and sunglasses. I don't know why. Just sitting the passenger seat and on his head. Yep. Okay, pardon me. 
<laughs> Chewy singing Rawhide. <laughs> we need to make this movie. We need to. He wants he wants a diet coke and toast. <laughs> oh, this needs to happen. Okay. Uh I'm I'm gonna, Jeff, I'm gonna slide you this image. I, I have an image that I'm going to put in the chat. Oh no. Just because someone is think someone is on our, our wavelength. Someone is on our wavelength. Oh god. <laughs> We got full power converter. Have a baby cigarette. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, blessed lady of light speed, don't fail us now. (laughs) (laughs) On what are you doing? We're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from the Force. Right. Okay, I think that's the episode. We're all broken. <laughs> all right, uh, so yeah, uh, obviously uh, keep an eye out for more episodes. I don't know what we're talking next time. Maybe some video games. And uh, we're sponsored by the Humble Bundle. Uh, sign up for a Humble Monthly. I think you can still get uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, but the Vault always has a uh, hundred games in it. And maybe one day we'll have time to play with it, thanks to the charitable contribution that comes with uh, buying Humble Monthlies. There you go. Plus, <laughs> I thought this smell best on the outside. Thank you very much for listening. This show is brought to you under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License Version 3.0. You can find more of our episodes at sbopodcast.com and be sure to like us, rate us, review us, share us on whatever means you like best because that does help us a great deal. Have a good day. <laughs>